Hey there guys, welcome to the Mind Talk podcast, an organisation that examines the psychology of upcoming and elite athletes. My name is Nathan and I'm here with my co-host Edwin. How are you, Ed? Not too bad. How have you been? Yeah, yeah, so-so. Um, obviously, Tottenham yeah. are doing a bit of a madness in the league at the moment, topsy-turvy. So um, I'll just keep that to the bare minimum <laughs> by yourself. Yeah, I'm all right. I watched a bit of football. So I watched um, the games that just happened today and um, did a bit of food shopping. That was it, really. Um, yeah. What can you do in a pandemic? But yeah, that's yeah. it, really. Um, one other shout out is for the tennis. So the Australian Open is coming up. I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, I know Serena had a bit of an injury and I know Nadal's struggling as well. So hopefully my two favourite players can pull through and win that. Not too sure about you, Ed. Who are you um, gunning for? Um, obviously, we've both got the same favourite players, but um, I think you can't write off Novak Djokovic. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting him to be the guy to beat again. And the women's side, I'm not sure really. It, it could be anybody. Um, it could really be anyone. Yeah, it's true. It's almost like um, I think the women's tennis is almost a bit like the Premier League at the moment. It's very, very, very open. So, um, yeah, we shall see. Anyway, today um, we've got a guest um, by the name of Laurent. And um, basically, he's here to share his story. And it's an interesting story. Um, it's quite inspirational and also something very relatable. So without further ado, um, welcome. Laurent, how are you, sir? Thank you, guys. Yeah, I'm not too bad, Nathan. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. Can't complain. Yeah. Ed, how you been at this one, man? Good a minute. Yeah, I've been good, man. I've been good. We need to catch yeah. up once this pandemic is, is out of the way. Well, that's what they're saying, isn't it? We have to. <laughs> so, yeah. Still keeping safe, but, you know, we'll definitely catch up after this. Most definitely. Most definitely. So, um, actually, yeah, I think that's a fitting start. Um, how are you coping and what are you doing to ensure that you maintain your 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 minds your mindset really and keeping a well balanced mindset? Trying to be active really. So obviously I've got kids. Now trying to um combine you know, obviously at the moment it's lockdown, so everyone's at home. Well yeah. the kids are work, you know, working from home really. So try to keep them busy with that as well, as well as working full time. It's active. You know, when everything's locked down, you've just got to be active. That's just the main thing. You stop doing what you were doing before. That's where, you know, things just get out of shape. Find a way to replace the activities you had before. So whether, obviously, you can't go to the gym, work out from home, go to the park if you can. Things are like, you know, just stay active. The main thing, really. Yeah. And um, so, being active, you were very, very active um, growing up. So I guess, what was your introduction to sport? How did you get into sport and what sports were you um, introduced to? So obviously, primary school starts, isn't it? So you play a bit of rugby. That's what I did in primary school. Um, athletics. But eventually, football took over, really, because that was the sport that you know I was the most gifted at. So uh, yeah, I think from primary school, started obviously with the primary school team, then went to the district. 
Um, in the district, obviously, that was my last year in primary school, 11, I was district football. And after that, it goes to year seven, and from year seven, it sort of, you know, goes on from there, really. But mine was a bit different, because obviously from young age, you know, it's one of those ones. You've got, I'm good at football, but my mom never saw the value in football growing up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Never saw the value of it, thinking, what are you going to do as a footballer? That's not a job. You know what I mean? It's not a job for, you know, it's not a job for, for in, in those days. So I was never really encouraged to pursue football. Um, so that was a big thing, really. So, yeah, I mean, but apart from that, that's, I would say football was the main sport really I did, to be honest. Okay. And um, how did you come to that decision? Um, because you did mention about, you know, rugby, athletics and football. And I know you said you were gifted um, yeah. at football. But was there any other reasons that really made you align yourself with football? Um, yeah, I'll tell you what it is, because football came the most natural to me. Things like rugby, number one, rugby, you know, I wasn't scared of getting, you know, knocked about much sort of stuff. That's, that's fine. But it wasn't really, I was big, I was fast, I was strong, so it was easy for me to do that in those days. But I never really loved the game. Whereas football, I could play football from morning to night. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know those ones you're outside, it's dark, mum's like, come in, no, I'm on five more minutes, five more minutes, I don't want to go inside, that sort of stuff. So <laughs> it was easy, easy for me to do. yeah, just easy. I mean, I think that's the, most boys when they play football, it doesn't cost much, all you need is a ball and trainers, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's it, yeah. you know, you just go out there, kick about, and so yeah, I think most, most, most city boys, is the sport we really do, really, yeah. Okay, so, so what age would you say you got to when you decided, okay, I want to try and maybe pursue a career in football, considering what your what your mother yeah. um, was saying when you were younger in terms of the lack of support when it came to football. Do you know what? I honestly decided to try to pursue football, honestly speaking, yeah, like myself, I was about 18. And I think at that point, it was a bit late for me because my mind is elsewhere, right? Because I remember growing up, we had coaches coming to me. They would come to my house, which I speak to my mom to convince her, you know, to let me go to trials. I remember at West Ham coming to my, to my house. The coach there asking me, you know, asking my mom if I can go to trials. She was like, okay, where is it? Where's the training? Shadow Heath. I'm thinking, I'm in South, right? Mm. So we're going to get from what, Deptford, Surrey Keys, all the way to Shadow Heath. I remember I did it one time, I went training one time. Mate, it was like two trains and a bus. I thought, that's a myth. <laughs> do, do, do you know what I mean? And <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Obviously, like I said, with regards to West Ham coming knocking and asking me to go on trials, it was just a distance. And when you're young, you know, you've got opportunities, but the problem is, can you take them? You know, if you're living in, like I said, you know, living where I was living, a team from far away comes, you know, says to you, listen, can you come play for us? At 14, 14, 15, I was looking to make that, you know, that, that, that journey every week. You know what I mean? Like three, three, four times a week. It was just too much. And that's where I needed the support, but it wasn't there. So I remember so I left secondary school now, I'm in college. And that's when I think to myself, let me try and get into football properly. But by that time, like I said, it was just, I think the, the will and the determination had slowly sort of been, um, been zapped out of me. So, yeah. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. Um, with regards to the, the support, um, are you speaking about, you know, support from your mum and just um, the, 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 the encouragement that um, it could have that could have helped you in you know making football an option. It would have definitely helped because you all need that. 
You know what I'm saying? Sometimes the thing is, I'll tell you what it was, right? Sometimes it used to hurt me, right? You'd go training. You let's say you made that journey like two hours, you know, to get to to get to, and you know, you're turning up there. Sometimes you don't have the right equipment and stuff, and you see everyone else coming up there, you know, getting dropped off by their parents in their cars, all comfortable and stuff, and just being there on the sidelines, you know, giving them encouragement, and you're there by yourself. Training is finished now. Especially even you know, it hurts even more in winter. By like three, four o'clock is dark. Yeah. So it's dark, you're getting there by yourself. You know, you come back, you're by yourself. Literally feel like you're alone, like you had nobody. You know what I mean? And it's like you could have had a you could have had a bad session or whatever, and there's no one there to say, you know what, it's fine, son, you know, it's a bad session. There's always the next week. There's no you know, there's always the other day, things like that. There's no one there really. Anything you had, any problems you had, you have to do it by yourself. But when you're young, it's a bit, I mean, some people don't need that, but I think, to be honest, it would help me, you know, to make sure that I was you know, on the right track because obviously, you know, we grew up in South, and so the people, you know, the people you can meet and stuff, I wasn't a bad boy, but, you know, you know people who've been on a different road and stuff like that. And it's easy to have friends who can lead you astray. When you've got a parent who sees, you know, the end goal, says, you know what, that boy's not good for you, don't hang out with me no more, don't bring my nice anymore, things like that. It's just direction that you need. Because now I've got three boys. And my son plays football. He was playing football for an academy team. I'm not going to mention the name. He left last year. And he's going to go try again this year for, for another team. But the difference in, in his upbringing and my upbringing is like light like a day. With him, he's got, he's got like direction. He's got a program. There's no, there's no idleness. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. There's, with him, it's like, right, okay, today this is what we're going to do. We've got training, we've got this and that. No, you don't have time to do that. You don't have to do that. Everything is, is planned out for him. I take him to all the games, all the training. I watch him. I study him. I, I see what he needs to work on. You know, what he's good at and things like that. And he needs encouragement. I give it to him. Whereas I never had that. So I think with him, he's got a lot more chance of getting all the way to the top than I ever had. And that's pretty down to the support. I'm here. His mum's here. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, that plays a difference as well. So we can work on his mentality. Okay. And that's what... What position did he play? Uh, me? Yeah. I was a striker. I was a striker. I was banging goals for fun, man. That was me. <laughs> I was a striker. I was a striker. But you know what it is, man? It, it's, it's, it's crazy because growing up, it was easier. By the time, I, when I remember when I started in year seven, I was five for eight in year seven. Yeah. Imagine being five for eight in year seven. I was bigger mm. than most, most, most people. Faster, stronger. It was easy to bang goals because I didn't have to do much. By the time we got to year nine, Everyone's sort of keeping up. Everyone's getting better and stuff. So now, I had to work on my game because before I wasn't really. I was a. I was raw in my ability. By the time I got to year nine, year ten, I had to finesse what I had. Yeah. I had to use a lot more of this brain now because now you're not just running past people for fun anymore. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's catching up. Yeah. So it's a lot more brain, a lot more developing and stuff. It was. It was interesting, but yeah, it's definitely a striker. But if you ask me now, I'm a defender though. I think that happens to all of us though as we get <laughs> yeah. age catches up with you man that's what it is yeah absolutely what about uh, so the, you know the transition so as you said yeah. when you got when you got to year 9 everybody started creeping up on you mm. um, tell us about the psychology of that because in the earlier stages or earlier in year 7 and year 8 you yeah. had uh, a massive advantage. So for you, there was almost uh, an, an arrogance, so to speak. But now yeah. you've got these, these, your peers now that are creeping up on you. 
how did that change your mindset? Was that was it a challenge? Um, were you were you scared? Like, just talk to us about that transition. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. The first time I realized I had to change, I had to adapt or sort of finesse my game. As I remember, in year nine, we played a, a team in Barking, yeah, East London Barking. Yeah, I think the team was called Barking Abbey. I remember. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Barking Abbey, I can't obviously. We can't verify, but I'm sure those boys I played against, they were not 14. These guys had hairs <laughs> on their chest. Know, you know, yeah, you, boys, come on, man. We know, man. We know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, these were some proper putbacks. Some solid African boys. Like, proper... <laughs> you know that the guys, the guys shaking my hand and I can feel the power. I'm thinking, this is, this is not normal. Mm. You know what I mean? And that game, they might let the game, but they marked me out of the game completely. But 50-50, boom. I said, what's going on? On the, on the coach back to school... I didn't talk to anybody. I was by myself. I speak to myself like, what's going on? But I lost it. I was, you know, this and that. But now I realized, you know what? It's not that I've lost it, but I never took the time to develop other attributes, thinking. And that's what I said a lot of black boys. You have to work on these things. I tell my son this all the time. A lot of academies, you see them now, they've got a lot of black kids in the, in the team. They recruit them early because usually the black boys are the fastest, the strongest. You know, they like to dribble and stuff. It's good at age, but they don't, Given the time to develop to be a thinker. You look at the positions on the pitch where you're required to be the brains, setting the midfield, attacking the field. It's always other people. It's never, it's never those boys. They put you on the wings. You're black, you're fast, you're strong. Right, you got on the wings, you got the back and defend. Do you know what I mean? You don't take the time to develop skills you need. Really and truly, this is what's going to make you a footballer. Not everything else will come. You can go to the gym when you're 14, 15. They'll make you strong. Mm. You know what I mean? The mind is what you need. So learning to understand the game better, football IQ, and also mentality, resilience. You know, there's so many things you need, to, you need to do. So I think for me, it took me about nine months to realise that I had to work on these things after that game. And it just slowly, 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 I started playing with the older boys. So I remember nine, I mean, year nine, I was playing with the six women. Yeah. Week in, week out. So they're knocking me about, they're doing things to me. After about six, nine months, literally, I was able to now understand what to do from that point, it was easier for me. So, yeah, I think that was what I needed to do, to be honest with you. What, what would you say you used to motivate you to play, considering you didn't have the support at home when it came to football? Right. The thing is, I played because I had nothing else to do in terms of product, like productive. There, there was no other activity, you know, open to me, as in, you know, that I could be by myself that didn't cost any money. Anything else I had to do, really, I was good at football. So when I played football, I never played subs. People, they just said, no, you're good. We'll pay for you. You know what I mean? It was free. That's, that's what it was. I didn't pay subs. None of that sort of stuff. And it was just, I did it for the fun. If I'm not going to play football, what am I going to be doing? I'm going to be on the road. You know, stealing, stealing you know, mopeds or do what nonsense, you know what I mean, what they're doing on the side. I said, I can't do that. So I had to do something to keep me occupied. And football was what took for me to be sort of, you know, on a straight and narrow. It just, it just occupied me. Wherever I have to play football, I would do it. Sometimes I would travel because obviously, I mean, I was I was in um, Deptford. Sometimes I would go to Streatham to meet friends there, play football, East London, North London, just to play football at that age. Do you know what I mean? Just to be around people playing football. Because I loved football. At that age, I loved it. It was for the love of it. I wasn't thinking about money, you know, becoming a pro and making that money. I just wanted to play football. The true love of it, and that was it. Mm. 
it's interesting you touched on a subject and it's something that is not necessarily spoken about mainstream yeah. it's about black boys and the the stereotypical raw attributes that we hold and it's you can see on both sides of of the shores you see in american football where yeah. usually it's the white males that are quarterbacks and it's always yeah. the black males that are running backs and yeah. if you listen to a lot of the sky sports commentary um they're probably unaware of it but they also talk about a lot of black males and they talk about them being very strong and being very quick yeah. but there's no there's nothing much about their intelligence so now you've got um sons and you've got one particular son that's already had academy experience how yeah. are you ensuring that he has the intelligence and he doesn't fall down this stereotypical route so what we do a lot of is we watch games together that's one thing i do I said to him, if you want to be something in life, watch the people doing it before you now. See what they're doing, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. You watch games for fun. So every week there's a game we've got to watch. Sometimes we watch two, three games in a week and we study it. You know, and when he's playing, I record his games. After we come back at home, I play it through. I said, listen, right, watch, watch your performance. What do you think you're doing right? What do you think, you know, you can improve on? And the thing is, it's about belief. Because my son is at an age, right? He's one of those. He's one of those kids. He doesn't know how good he is. He's just he's just happy to be on on the pitch, but he doesn't view himself how other people view you know view him. Mm. A lot of people say, "Oh, you know, my son is good, my kids not." A lot of people do do that, but I'm not one of those parents. I don't. I don't. I don't deceive myself. I don't try to gas my son up either. You know what I'm saying? If he's good, I'll tell him he's good. If he's not that, if he's not, if he's not for him, you know, I don't try. I don't try and force it. He genuinely has the potential to make a, a career out of it for himself if he applies himself. Mm. The thing is about the belief. I remember his previous club where he was at the academy, when he first signed in there, they were playing him on the wings because I remember literally first session, number one, he was the only black boy in his team. So he was the fastest on his team. He was the strongest in his team. He was just dominating. They would put him out on the wings, sometimes in defence. Maybe they played him in centre midfield maybe two games. The whole time he was there, two seasons he was there, but they played him in centre midfield twice. I remember I, I said to myself, you know what, let me leave. I left, I took him to a grassroots team, where he's at now, in North London, Enfield. The coach looked at my boy and said, you know what, this boy, he's got a sentiment footer. He's got the ability, he's got the potential, he should be sentiment footer. He has to be, where he can dominate. But the thing is, prior to that, I never saw my son in that position. You know how crazy he is? Yeah. I never saw him as a, as, as a, as a, as a dominant force in the middle, as a general as the brain of a team, as somebody who can make the team tick. I just saw him as, you know, I, to be honest with you, I almost sort of fell in that trap myself as seeing him as a winger yeah, or as a defender. Not, not thinking that, and it's all in the mindset. Yeah, because prior 100%. to that, when I tried to play him in the midfield, he wasn't really getting it. He wasn't, he wasn't effective. But the moment I started to believe that he could do it, I made sure I taught him the skills he needed to play in that position. And now that I've taught him the skills and I'm teaching him the skills currently, He's, he's doing well. So it's all in the mind. I'll tell him, 100%. don't doubt yourself. Don't doubt yourself. You have to, if you don't believe in yourself, he's going to you know, believe in you. 1,000%. 1,000%. What would you say, though, when it comes to, obviously, trying to give him the belief you do to maintain a balance of him believing in himself and being confident, yeah. uh, but still enjoying the fun side of it? Right, so that's, that's, that's a tricky one, right? Because with football, 
where it's gone so big, it's, it's different to when you like, we, you know, we were kids, right? It's, it's evolved. Literally, football now is, even at this grassroots level, it's, it's big business. It's literally big business, right? And the thing is, in life, if you want to make it, you have to make sacrifices. He's a kid, he's only 11, right? So obviously there's things you want to do that, you know, his friends are doing and stuff. But I said to him, you know what? You've got a lot of time ahead of you to do these things. But if you want to, if you want to make it, you've got to make the sacrifice. So, number one, he's got to be disciplined. All that stuff, you know, playing all these PlayStation, that type of stuff, that's out the window. He only, he only gets that during the holidays. And even then, it's li- even then it's limited. Mm. You know, don't to be the top. I said to him, look at someone like Cristiano Ronaldo. How old is he? Thirty six. And look what this man is doing at this age. Mm. And that is down to pure determination. Because yeah. this man has won everything he needs to win. He's got all the money in the world, but yeah, he still wants to. He still wants to win stuff. He still wants to. He still wants to beat records. And that's down to determination. Because you look at people like Ronaldinho, things like these. You know, these people that come from poor backgrounds. After once they made it, they fall off because the hunger goes. They've got yeah. what they wanted. They did it for the money. Yeah. You know, when you do it for the money, once you've got the money, where's the motivation? Yeah. But if you're doing it to constantly be the best, always wanting to be the best, once you've made that money, you're still going to keep going because you know it's not it's not about the money. It's about being the best ever. You, you know, the best version you can be, whatever it is, it has to be that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That, that, that's, that's the main thing. I tell him, don't do it because you want to buy Lamborghini or because you want to buy that. Do that because you want to be the best. Anytime you step on the pitch, want to be the best. Okay. You need motivation. You know what I mean? You have, you, have, you, have, you have that, but it's got to be positive motivation. It's interesting that you mentioned um, um, the best version of, of himself that he can be. Yeah. Um, because in sport, we tend to find, especially as they're young, um, yeah. when the academies don't think that they're good enough, um, a lot of them just give up. And don't ever get to the point where they can be the best person that they can be. Um, what have you said to him? Let's just say if down the line, when it comes to academies, if he was yeah. to be, if they let him go, what have you said to him to make sure that he doesn't allow that to affect him to be the best person he can be? Well, there's, there's a few things. Uh, you know, with the academy, you see a lot of stuff when you go, when you go into that environment. Yeah. I think for me, one of the biggest problems that these kids have is because a lot of these parents now, they see these boys as their pension. Yeah. So I've seen, I've seen parents making their kids train that when it's freezing, raining, it's a t-shirt on, right, do your drills, do your drills. And the boys are shivering. I'm thinking, I'm driving past, I'm thinking, why is he doing that though? The boy, like, he's only nine. Mm-hmm. But he wants him to be, like, you know what it is? It's just, it's, it's the wrong mindset because you yeah. get a lot of it creates a, it, you. You want that dream? I could. I could easily be the one of those parents. You know what? I never made it as a footballer. So let me try and live my dream for my son and push him too hard. I don't do that. Mm. I don't do that. The only thing I say to him: Listen, I'm not relying on you to look after me. When I'm an old man. That's not. That's not. I'm doing my own thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're doing this for yourself. You're doing this for yourself. But it has to be. It has to, it has to be though. You've got to do it for yourself because subconsciously, if you're doing that, if you're relying on the kids, you put too much pressure on them. So do it for yourself. I don't mind taking you through these trainings, all these games, but you need to go to the way I'm doing it. Because I'm leaving work. I'm tired. I wake up early to go to work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Start early, drive me over London, do my stuff, come back, take you to training, two hours, come back. Mate, it's non-stop for me. And it's like, three, it's like four times a week, minimum. Mm. 
I've got other kids too. I've got to do things with them as well. Do you know what I mean? So literally, my schedule is like chock a block. I don't get free time. I don't get free time at all. So if you, if I want to do that for you, just please make sure you're committed. You're hundred percent. And every so often, I ask him, "Do you just want to do it? Do you still want to do it?" If he doesn't, I'll pull him out. I don't mind. If he doesn't. I don't want him to be in doing something that he doesn't really appreciate or want to be doing. I think he's got to do it because of me. No, that's the first thing. Second thing I tell him is, football is a fickle sport. You could you could break your knee, you could you could break your leg, whatever, and it's about you. Like funny you should say that because he got injured in September. Um, and he's been out for four months. He's only just got back to playing now. He's been out for four months. Mm. And today, today I took him training and he's not quite to where he was. I'm just watching him play, but a lot of his assets I mean stripped from him because he's not as fast anymore, he's not as mobile anymore. So now he's having to work on different things. And that's good because you know why? Because that's gonna give him experience of what it's like to be without your assets. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Being with, being without what you're good at, develop other skills. His mum and I try our best to make sure that we're grounded with this boy. Do you know what I mean? You're doing it if you're doing it because you want to do it and you want to be the best at it. It's mindset, it's motivation. You've got to be focused. All the people in life that I know that are doing well, I've been fortunate enough because I've met people who have been pros. So one of my good friends now, he was a professional, he's an agent now. Another friend of mine, ben, I mean, Edwin knows him because he went to six women in Benga. Benga's brother was a pro. And I speak to him all the time, you know, to get, you know, feedback of them, what it was like for them, you know, in their journey. And the thing is, some of these people, they weren't necessarily the most talented. What they wanted to have was this, the determination and the mentality. That's what set them apart. All of us new boys in school who was like, you think, no, this boy, he's, 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 he's hard. Do you know what I mean? He should be professional. Yeah. But he's not. Because the mentality yeah. was lacking. These yeah. boys don't want to do, don't want to do laps. They don't want to train. They don't want to do, they don't want to eat right. Do you know what I mean? You want to do the things. You want to put yourself, you want to start raving when you know you've got a match tomorrow. Things are like, you don't do that when you want, when you want to be somewhere. Mm-hmm. You've got to be motivated. Literally, all the mistakes I made in my life, I'm just literally passing on to the boy now. Everything I've done wrong in my life, I tell you, listen, this is what I've done wrong. This is what I've done wrong. Now it's up to you now. You can do what I've done or you can you know, do something else. You know what I mean? Just sort of get him used to making... A... He's a kid, but he's not a kid because he's, he's, he's becoming curious now. He's developing. Yeah. I want him to be able to make certain decisions for himself now to make the right choices. Because if you're going to micromanage everything and you're not there, what are they going to do? Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I try to make sure that he, you know, somebody thinks he does by himself. So yeah, I mean, that's... You know, don't tell me wrong, it's not easy. He's still a kid, but, you know, it's a journey. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. With, with regards to, so I guess um, without, you know, mentioning any names, we, we are aware that there are certain, um, you know, players that have been released and then have taken their own lives in recent yeah. times. So, mm-hmm. um, for yourself, how are you ensuring that uh, your son takes on the possibility of education whilst juggling football? Um, what, what are the steps that you're, you are doing to ensure that he takes both of them as seriously as each other? Well, the thing is, I'll be honest with you, it, I, at this stage he's at now, they're not, as, they're not equal. For me, education is more important than his football. I tell him all right. the time. Right. If you're slacking in school, you're not playing football mm-hmm. because the education is what will serve you long term. Mm. football is a short career and you might never make it do you know what I mean it's a short, it's a short term thing education is what is what you is what you need to focus on and luckily for me he's good at school he gets good grades he's always in the top groups 
So I try to focus on things that, you know, number one, I'm looking at what he's good at for a start. He's good at, he's good with his hands. He's good at maths and he's good with his hands. So we're looking, he's looking at, you know, the engineering side of things, you yeah. know, architecture, that's all stuff. Yeah. I've seen him do well in that. We recently started, you know, sending him, what well, is before lockdown, to a coding class. He does coding now. Oh, wow. Uh, because obviously, yeah, man, it's the future. You can see it where everything's going now. Technology is the way forward. So I want to give him skills that he can, he can use in the long term. You have to have, you have to have, you know, different skills. Football, football's a hobby. If you did it right, it, it, could, it could be a job that could pay you well for a short period of time. But all these other things is what will long term, do you know what I mean, will carry you through. So literally, in my house, it's school first. Football comes second. School first, football second. Um, football second, that's it. There's no ifs and buts, literally. Okay. Um, that's interesting. With regards to uh, your, your son, when he was um, at the academy, yeah. As a young black male, what was his journey like? So, to begin with, it was he's not a, he's, a, he's not an extroverted type. He's quite he's quite shy to begin with, and he was, you know, it's funny thing is right. I don't think he saw color. Kids don't see color. He just went in that team, other young kids with him, and he just did his own thing. I saw it. I saw color, and. Because you've been through certain things in your life, when we go to matches, you know, little things like that, I was, I was literally, honestly, because the thing is, I'm going to off past experience. What was that for me growing up? I remember one match, I think we must have battled this team so much. After the game, the coach, the coach, their coach goes to my coach, I want to see this boy's um, registration papers. He's not his age. He, he can't be 10. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, yeah, things like, do you know what I mean? Or I remember going to one time and people calling us that type of stuff on the pitch. Mm. You know, and just like, so in that environment, I took him there. In the beginning, I was very sort of, yeah, you know, kept myself to myself. But after a while, I think it's down to him to go to interview. I was able to, you know, easily mingle the parents and the stuff. Bearing in mind, it's competitive because at the end of the day, people are friendly to you, but it's competition. So you hear a lot of the bitchiness. Mm. One parent comes from over there, comes to you, but you know, that person's kid, blah, 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 blah. They'll go over there, talk about another person's kid. And you're seeing that, so I'm like, oh, cool, you know what I mean? I just, you know, I say hello and this and that, but it doesn't, it doesn't go further than that. Mm. Because there is no buddy buddies. The buddy buddy thing is like grassroots. At academies, there's no friends at academies. People say friends, but it's not friends. It's literally everyone for themselves. Every man for themselves, because they see, they want it, they want, because they tell you anyways that most kids are not going to make it. You know the stats are? I think it's less than 1% of the kids make it. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah. Less than 1%. So imagine imagine you get to school and they're telling you that the chances are you probably won't even get a job. In, in, for your, you, you still get to school. Why would you go to school? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's what it's like. Yeah. Though, think about it. You're going to the academy, become a, something, a footballer, but they're telling you the chances are you're not going to make it. It's very high. It's, it's, it's more than high, mate. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, But you, people are doing it because they're thinking... They've seen premiership footballers and you know on 100 grand, 150, 200 grand a week. That's not that's not the truth. Most players won't even get to that level. Mm. That's a really that's a really good life. I think the average I think the average footballer um, premiership footballer is on about 25 grand a week. Mm. Don't start looking yeah. at my seat in my United and them type of wages thinking that's your son. Do you know what I mean? It could be, but that's not the average. No, no. That's more that's and not. that's a and that's a prem footballer. If you go down in the championship, it's more like five grand. 
the average. Yeah. And you go lower than that, it goes down and down and down to get to like League Two. Some of them are like 600 pound a week. Mate, I make more than that. So it's like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, no, but it's, it's, it's true. That's, that's what it gets down to. It's not, it's not, it's not glitzy, do you know? Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's just, that, it's, it's been an eye-opener to you. Academy of football as an adult has been an eye-opener for me because now I'm able to see the sort of, because I've got, don't forget, I've got two other boys as well. Yeah? I've got three, I've got three boys. And my, and the other two are sort of, they want to follow in that footstep, but I'm reluctant mm-hmm. to put them in that environment. So young, I want them to enjoy being kids because yeah. my oldest, he's my, my oldest one. I'm literally sort of, I'm making him grow up a bit faster than I would have because of the, yeah. you know, because of what we're doing. But the others, I'm sort of taking my time, you know. Basically, my first one is a guinea pig, isn't it? It's trial and error. Just see how it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and then we'll see how it goes from there. Yeah. When, um, let's take it a bit more back to yourself. Um, when did you decide, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And when you decided, what was the reason why you decided you didn't carry on playing football? If I'm honest with you boys, the real reason why I never made it as a pro- as a professional is is the reason why we're to- is the is the is the title of the topic of today is the mindset really, it's my mindset. Mm. I never liked extra training. I didn't train by myself after that. Do you know what I mean? I only trained with the team. After the training is finished, I'll go do my own thing. And when I kept getting knockbacks, I wasn't assisting. If you really want something that bad in life, no matter how many doors close on you, you keep trying. Do you know what I mean? I stopped yeah. trying. I stopped trying to be a pro. I'll be honest with you. The last time I stopped trying was at Luton. It was at Luton. Yeah. I went. Yeah. I went. I went training with, for Hitchin Town with Anthony. I remember. We went all day to Hitchin Town. Went over there. We played. I wasn't even fit. I played one half. I feel like my lungs are gonna burst. <laughs> I'm thinking, why would you go training for a team trial when you're not fit? I wasn't. I wasn't training by myself before that. I wasn't doing anything. I just thought I turned up because I'm good. It should be. It should be walking the park. I was playing with people with less ability than me, and because they were fit and determined, I couldn't do anything to them. Do you know what I'm saying to you? My mindset wasn't right. I didn't take it serious enough. Yeah. At that point, I said to myself, you know, don't deceive yourself. It's not that, it's, it's, it's the mindset. Either you want it, you don't want it. Obviously, I didn't want it that badly enough. So, you know, things, you know, things didn't work out. And that's why I say the mind, the mind is, <clears throat> it's hard, you know. Sometimes when I, you see somebody, I see my son, I said, listen, I didn't work out. No, dad. But well, I go and do it. And I moved on following. I'm thinking, if I'm not, if I'm not there to budget to like to press him, you won't do it. Nobody wants some it's not everybody that wants to be doing that type of stuff all the time, but that's what you need. Yeah. You get that. Do you know what I'm saying to you? Yeah. You look at people like Serena and Venus Williams, you look at the history, you know, uh, look at their bio and Richard Williams, how he was on them, how hard yeah. he was on, on, on them on them girls. How hard to point out sometimes you think this guy, this guy never loved his kids. Mm. He didn't love his kids. Because of his, because of how he was, he made them the two most, not just black female athletes, but two of the greatest players ever. Yeah. yeah. If Venus wasn't around, Serena would have been a record holder already now. No, 100%. Don't forget, in the beginning, she came yeah. into Venus in the finals. So yeah. Yeah. For Venus, Serena would have been the, you know what I mean? The, the all-time record holder already. So you've got, you have to, you, you need that. Sometimes if you're not, if you're not that way inclined yourself, you need someone behind you to literally just push you and push you and push you and push you and push you. They've got to be that personal trainer for you and say, you know what, no, keep going, keep going, don't stop. You know, and, it's a, and a lot of us, 
don't have that. Like I said, it's the parents, they're thinking, oh, you know, what's football? It's, it's not a thing. Nowadays, it's changed because parents now see the money. So parents <laughs> are paying like 30, 50 pounds an hour to get a personal coach for their kids one-on-one training. Yeah. I'm seeing that. They, they're doing that. Well, see the difference? It, what, what parent in them days, not in our days, would they pay 50 pounds an hour to get you one-on-one coaching for football? It went at me. It went at me. But they're doing it now because they've seen the end. They've seen what can happen, and that's why I'm saying football has changed when we were, when we were kids. It's it's a proper business. Even grassroots. There's people I know now who, who manage grassroots team. Like I don't want to go to academy football. What for? I'm making more money now. Wow. wow. Literally, they make more money at grassroots than they do at academy. Mm. So you know, just to show you where we are now. Really, I think um what. I like about what's been spoken about today um, is you being, um, you know, having a child at an academy and yeah. I guess the tales from it, because we don't really hear that. And it's really, really important for parents to, to understand the type of environment they're going to be entering when their, you know, son or daughter is, you know, goes into an academy. If you were to have, um, or if there was, if I was to ask you for um, any advice you would give parents um, if their son or daughter wanted to enter an academy and was successful, what advice yeah. would you give them? Take your time, read the contracts, and research before you go to somewhere. You see, nowadays, because I've been into one academy now, for me to go back to another one, I'm literally doing all my research to see the pitfalls and, you know, what they're like. It's not just about playing for an academy. What can they offer you and your child? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because nowadays, these things are changed. When you sign, it's a contract, you know? If you, let's say, for instance, uh, you, you are Arsenal. You go there, a kid signs at Arsenal, you're like, I don't know, 10 or 11. After a year, you don't like it anymore. You want to leave, but you're a good player. Yeah. Also, like, yeah, okay, you don't want to leave, you're signed, but if you have to leave, for you to leave that club, they've got your papers. You understand what I'm saying to you? So they, yeah. you can leave, but they're due compensation. And every year you're there, the money goes up, depending on the category. You've got categories now. Category one, two, and three. But it's for, it's for under-18s, like for late bloomers. But let's just say one, two, and three. The higher category you are, the more money you've got to pay. Mm. So let's say someone like Arsenal, that's, that's a Cat 1 team academy. If you're there, let's say, from the age of 12 onwards, it goes up. I know from under 9 to 11, it's like three grand a year. From the age of 12, I think it's something like 42 a year. They're due. So imagine right. you're there, you're at Arsenal from the age of nine, and you get to you get to 13, you say, no, I don't like it no more. I'm, I'm, I'm being bullied or whatever. I want to go to another team. Maybe that's fine. You've been there X amount of years. We are due this amount of conversation. Let's say it's 100 grand. What team is going to pay 100 grand for, for a 13 year old? If they don't know you, that you're going to be the real deal. Pay that money for you. By the time you're 15, you're rubbish, or you say you don't want to put no more. You know what I'm saying to you? Yeah. You, can't, you can't move so freely. Things have changed. It's a business now. And not just that as well, you've got to see the sort of clubs that promote people that look like you who encourage them. Certain teams, you can see from the 9s, 10s, 11s, 12s, 13s, 14s, 15s, you might see a lot of black kids. But tell me it's under 18s or under 23s. How many of them do you see? Because under 23s is people have been contracts. They've been given yeah. contracts. Under 18s are scholars. Tottenham is, enough, is, is, a, is a big example. That's what, like, I know you're a Tottenham fan, but that's when Academy, personally speaking, I look at them, I'm thinking, look at where you're based. You're in Tottenham, yeah? North London. Like the, the, the communities around you, you've got a lot of Turkish, Greeks, and, and black people around there. 
how many of your black boys are going from the academy into the first team? How many? How many? Well, I think of one recently. You could put what well, people like Tawaku Peters, they sold him. Tanganga, he's there, but he's not getting games. People like that. Mm. The thing is, you've, you've got to be them sort, of, them sort of clubs. You're there for the name because unless you're exceptional and you're going to, you know, and you're going to break through early, you'd probably be there for maybe to, if you're lucky to 21, 22, and then you end up going, you know, roaming around to other, you know, other places. You look at somewhere like Palace, Reading, you look at smaller clubs, but it's for them, they don't really care about, you know, whether you're black or whatever, you know, just if you're good enough, because it's a business for them. Look, look at Palace under 18s. You need to get a chance. Go look at them under 18. Look at the under 23. Mate, you think it's like the Nigerian Ghanaian national team, mate. Like literally, just you look you look at the names. Bear, bear, Tomolos, bear, Lampy, bear, bear, Quentin. Listen, it's just <laughs> you're laughing, but it's it's the truth. Them so, just gonna say that they don't care though. For them, you're good, you're good. Certain other teams, they want to be selective, they don't want too many black boys in the team. They don't say it, but you can see by the by the by the by the recruitment. Because boys who go through the process, you shouldn't even be there. Do you know what I mean? They don't want to make it too... They don't want to make it too... We live in London, man. Come on. We live in London. How, you probably know 10 black boys growing up. You think you could have been pros, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Because I've, um, I've heard it from other people who didn't go pro, not because they didn't... They couldn't go pro, but they chose not to go pro because of just uh, racism um, that you would see at some, some clubs. Um, and they just decided not to. The racism is deep, you know. It's not even like it's not even when I say when I say the racism is real, it is real. It is absolutely real. Because unless you've got somebody who looks like you who's in a position to change your life and say yes or no, whether you get into the club or not, often people like to, people we tend to it's human, it's human nature, you know. We tend to select people that look like us or have similar interests to us or similar background to us. That's what it is. Yeah, it's unconscious bias. Unconscious bias. They do that. You're from there, you know what I mean? Arsenal up until, up until a while ago, obviously now Merisak is there now, he's literally changing everything. But up until, let's say, two seasons ago, you would go there, man. You see all these boys from Essex, you know, Joey from Essex coming there, training with his, with his dad, his Range Rover, flicks, click, gelled hair, but he's dead. But he's dead. But he's dead. But he's dead. A lot of these boys, you see them, once you get to like year nine, year 10, that's when the black boys come in because they can, they can go training by themselves. Mm. At that age, not a lot of black people, not a lot of black kids, their parents have got, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to give them my job to, to, for football. So they wait till they're 14, 15. When they're 14, that's when you see the black boys coming to the academies now, more of them. Because mm. now they can go training by themselves. At that young age, it's a lot of these, you know what I mean? It's, it's a lot the more, I want to say privileged, but it's the children who, who are in a situation that allows them to go training. Like my son, for instance. I'm here, his mum's here. One of us can take him training. If it's a single parent, it's not happening for her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not happening. So it's, it's a lot of that type of demographic you see. It doesn't mean he's the best player. It just means that he's the one that's available to play now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But definitely, like you said about racism, it's I've seen it. As recently as last year, I've seen it. Do you know what I mean? As recently as last year, I saw it. But, you know, what you... Well, the thing is, I tell my boy all the time, I, I remember... You know when they're doing this um, Black Lives Matter and the people are kneeling and stuff, my son was asking me, what's all that about? And, you know, he spoke about it and things like that. I said to him, you know, unfortunately, son, if you do make it as a footballer, 
you will be subject to racism. I didn't say you might be. I said you will be. He will be. It's a fact. He will be. He will be. It's like we live in, unfortunately. Do you know what I mean? So no government can man- can mandate people not to be racist. It's their views. It's what they hold. All we're trying to say is, if you don't want to be racist, be racist. That's your business. You don't have to like me. But just respect me when I'm working, when I'm on the street. Be civil towards me. That's what, that's what we're asking for. Do you know what I mean? Don't go out there and start making monkey noises, start things like that. That's what we're asking for. I'm not asking, I'm not asking racist white people to, to like us just to respect us when we're working and be civil. You're not going to come to my job and start calling me monkey, are you? So why is it because I'm playing football? You're going to call me monkey, right? Because I'm making lots of money. You think it's okay to do that? Or because we're in a big crowd, you think I, I won't get caught? No, nah, it's not. In the last um, week or so, there's been a few players that have received um, racist abuse. And <clears throat> it's just very disturbing because all they have to do is make one mistake and it's, a race of abuse is thrown at them when anyone can make a mistake and but that's it why is it that yeah. when black players have bad games you have to be racially abused when Harry Maguire has a dodgy game I, I, why, I, like do you know what I mean it's just listen abuse people people get abused all the time yeah it's fans they're emotionally invested in a sport it's their team I understand it's your team you're paying money to watch them you're following them someone does something that you don't like <clears throat> you abuse them but what does what does have to go to race yeah. You know what I mean? What does that have to go to race? You can message on there, hey, talking about your shit, whatever, like this and that. But why do you have to start getting personal with, you know, with race stuff? And that's my, that's my issue with, you know, with this sort of stuff. It's just people's ignorance. It's ignorance. And the thing is, I tell myself, because everything's online, you don't know who it is. It could be someone you work with even that's doing that. You don't know. I don't, I don't want to go too deep with my son because he's too young. So certain yeah. things I don't talk about now because it'll be too much for his mind to take because he won't yeah. even understand. You know what I mean? So I just sort of like give him little bits along the way to see what he can take. And, but yeah, man. But to be fair, what you guys are doing though, about this mind thing, I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's, it's psychology, it's the mind. It's, it's, it's the biggest thing. It's the biggest thing. You're born with ability. But this, this is your mind. Is your mind, is your mind right? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Is, are the people who are around you, the people who care for you, is their mind right to help you? Yeah. And that's what it's about. I guess um, one more question. So yep. I guess Edwin and I, one of our conversations offline for a long time has been, we would love to see um, a lot of our, you know, young black athletes flourish in a number of sports. So we're all the same age. We're all in our mid thirties. And, yep. you know, without being stereotypical, most of our, us young black males, the only sport we was interested in is football. Yeah. Um, and I guess one of the reasons why we wanted to start this is actually, you know, venture out into finding young black athletes in other sports. So my question to you is, would, have you thought about the possibilities of your other two sons, um, taking on other sports outside football, something very unconventional, like, I don't know, rowing, something like rowing or tennis or even, um, badminton. I mean, that's that's a good question. Usually with with interests, right? When it comes to interests, you sort of, you expose your children to stuff that you've done yourself. Yeah. Or maybe perhaps you like. I've never done rowing. So <laughs> I don't know what it's, I don't know what it's like. Mm. The closest I've got to, to that is canoeing in primary school. Do you know what I mean? And I fell yeah. in the Thames. I was thinking about that. But <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, tennis. I like tennis in school because the school I went to, we had tennis schools. I liked tennis. And, I suppose, you know, you know what, you're right when you're saying that, to be fair. Exploring the option of other sports for these ones. 
I think I will do that. I think for the other two, I will try. The thing is also is, depending on the sport you're doing as well, it costs money, like cricket, for instance. Certain sports cost a lot more and it's just awkward to do compared to, you know what I mean? Football is the easiest thing. Like I said, you just pick up a ball, trainers, whatever, and you're good to go. Other sports, I've got friends who play, you know, who, whose kids play cricket and things like that, or tennis. And it's a lot of RG barges to go through. But I guess you'll never know if they can make it unless you expose them to that as well. So, yeah, that's food for thought to be honest. I think I'll, I'll definitely look at the options. Probably tennis, cricket. <laughs> they might like cricket. I mean, in school, at PE, they do different sports. So if they yeah. come back to me one day and say to me, no, dad, I've done that today. I liked it. I want to do it outside of school, whatever. Then I would do it. Do you know what I mean? I don't think I'm sort of like necessarily pushing them into that direction. If they came to me and said I wanted to do that, then I look into making it happen. But yeah, other than that, it's probably tennis, to be honest with you. I think that's the other sport I would probably try to encourage them in. Yeah, yeah that would be great. It would be great to see a young black um, male tennis players. I'm, you know, the Williams sisters, now you've got Coco, um, Sloan as well. Sloan, yeah. Yeah, so they've broken the barriers for women. But for males, we've only got, um, is it Dustin Brown? Dustin Brown? Um, he's from, from, uh, from Germany. Felix as well. Felix, yeah, Felix. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a point. Well, years ago, we had other guys, right? What's that? That girl, Monfils, right? uh, yes, how can I? That's yeah, funny. how can we forget? Yeah, yeah. yeah you see, yeah, girl, Monfils, I quite like him. I quite, I quite like him actually. He's a good little player. Yeah. Those were the times when I used to watch tennis, like you know, religiously. In those yeah. days, I'd watch you know, all the tournaments, you know, US Open, Wimbledon, you know, Australian Open, things like that. I think from from the Pete Sampras days to when um, Federer and Nadal were having the jewels, that's the period I was watching tennis like religiously. Now, I don't watch as much purely because Novak has been dominating for too many years now, and it's just boring. Now, do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I think um, I think Ed, Edwin and I should definitely do a um, we should definitely do a podcast on Novak himself because we we've, we've, we've spoken about him a lot. There was a period where. Novak and Murray used to always, you know, falter the last hurdle and it was usually due to their mindset. They would always implode. And then it got to a stage where Novak just said, enough's enough. These two, Federer and Nadal, keep beating me. It's not happening. And then he's just got to this mindset where he is just unbelievable. One of the reasons why Rafa Nadal is one of my sporting heroes is that he would always get battered um, in three other opens, but he will yeah. somehow find a way to to just come to the French Open, thinking, "Listen, no one's gonna beat me." And now he's, you know, one thirteen. Ed and I, I can remember being in, I think around two thousand five, two thousand six. We were no, yeah. a little bit later actually. I remember we both said Nadal's gonna get to ten French Opens because at that time we saw very very early that this guy. Just, just couldn't be stopped, and um, mm. just to maintain that level, knowing that Novak is destroying you, you know, on the other surfaces, is just, just, you know, just unbelievable. I wonder, I wonder where that is though. That on on that surface he does well, and then on the other one, it's like in athletics. You know, some people indoors they smash it, then they get to outside, and they go missing. I'm thinking, what's with that about? Oh, I don't, it's. Clearly two things. There's clearly ability and there's clearly 
his mental strength. Um, when when he's on that surface, he knows he is the best, and he can draw on that in times when he's having difficult matches and find a way to win. And that's the thing: confidence in sport is it's essential at all levels. But do you think the people that come up against him know that he doesn't lose on, on he doesn't lose on, on God? I mean, on Clayton. oh yeah, like, so they feel ready them- in their minds like uh, he's going to beat yeah. me ready. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them, they're ready. When they go into the match, they're not thinking they're going to win. Um, I think the only one out of all the tennis players that I think actually believes he has a chance is Novak. Um, yeah. The rest of them, I don't think they believe they, they've got any chance. <laughs> I agree. Honestly, I agree because no no disrespect to Federer, who I love, but I think Federer yeah. gave up a long time ago when it yeah, came to French Open. He just thought to himself, you know what? Let, let's just save myself for Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah Wimbledon. <laughs> yeah, there's a re like in my mind. There's a reason why he doesn't make that much effort at this point of his career when it comes to the French. He's not, he's not, he's not stupid. Like, he might as well save his energy for a tournament where he feels like he's got the best chance of winning. Yeah, absolutely. Some of these guys, though, I wonder why they're still carrying on, especially someone like like Roger. How old is he? 30, 38? 38, yeah, 39, like 38, yeah. 39. Uh, you, you're, is it is it is it is it the record holder for the boys' grand Yeah. Him and Nadal, isn't it? Yeah, him and Nadal. It's the joint, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you've got all, all those things. You've won, you know, all that money you've made, but you're still, you're still, you still, you still want to play. I'm thinking, wait, what is it you're doing it for? Is it because, because if you don't believe you can win, why, why you compete? Especially when you, when you've dominated for so long. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Only, only he can answer it. But I do believe that he believes he can win. Um, when it comes to Wimbledon and Harcourt, potentially, um, I don't think that's ever gone. That. I don't think he's ever doubted himself for that. Yeah. Um, from the outside, when you look at the French, I think it's more, he knows how good he is on clay, but he knows there's a guy that's better than him. So it's just like, no, 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 no. you, you lose bo- so many times, it's just how long are you going to keep on going? <laughs> that, that bogey, man, yeah, no, it's true, no, it's true. It's, it's, it's mental, like, isn't it? It's all, it's all mental, though. It's all mental. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. I think there was one year, I don't want to quote the year, where Roger was, you know, playing unbelievable tennis. And then Nadal, he came to the French Open, beat everybody, including Federer, didn't lose a set, destroyed Federer in the final. And mm. I myself was just shocked at the ease that Nadal destroyed Federer in that year. It was just like, what is going on? So I, I do feel that it is it's most definitely confidence. And it's like in anything, really, you, you, you don't want to tell yourself because... If the if if the noise if the voice in your head gets too much, you then become you then start seriously dying yourself. But there is that barrier where you just say, Do you know what, he this one might just be better than me. Quick question: Do you think Nadal is stronger mentally than than Roger? Do you know the reason why I'm asking that question is because I'm just trying to think of the times when Roger has been in like he's been leading on sets or whatever, and he's lost games. Compared to the times when Roger, when Nadal leads and he, and, he, and he loses, I'm thinking like, you know what I'm saying? Like, certain people, when they're winning positions, they don't give it up. It's a wrap. If he's winning, you know the game is done. And others, they could be winning, but then you think, mm, you know, a few bad shots, you think, oh, he's come back again. Do you know what I mean? It's close. I don't know. I think with both of them, it's a bit, I think they're both mentally strong because they never would have got to that level of dominance. Um, they're both 120. But I do believe that. Um, dependent on surface, 
Like, if you put Federer in a winning position on clay against Nadal, I don't believe he will have the same mindset um, yeah. against Nadal if he was playing him on grass. That's what I think as well, yeah. Definitely, definitely. I just think, I think Nadal's stern. His mentality is just like, he's one of these people that are just stubborn when it went in terms of like, you know, they can't be beat. I will not be beat. I will not be beat. I'm just going to keep going and going. Yeah. yeah. I think all three of them are. I think all three of them, and I think that's why we've been exceptionally lucky um, in tennis because those three have just, you know, brought us the best tennis that we've ever seen. So growing up, you mentioned earlier Pete Sampras. So Pete Sampras was yeah. my favourite tennis player yeah. growing up. But I look at Pete and I think to myself, if you played any of those three on grass, especially Nadal, and he's not even the best because I just think styles, you know, make matches. And the way mm. Nadal just keeps on returning, fighting back, Pete Sampras' serve, would it, it would really, really hinder on his serve. And if he doesn't get it right, I think Nadal could potentially have the better of him. Federer, I think mm. on his day, I just think Federer would have too much in his locker. And you know what Novak's like? Novak, Novak doesn't understand what giving up is. He doesn't understand. Yeah. So those three are just elite. And it's why I feel so sorry for Andy Murray. I think he's a world-class tennis player. But unfortunately, he's with three extremely elite athletes. They're aliens. Yeah. They're absolute aliens. No, they are, they, are, they, are, they are top. It's like different stars as well. I mean, it's just like even with, like, with footballers, you know, great play. You could have great players, different, different styles. But I always... I'm always drawn to the player players. So for me, I'd always be drawn to someone like Roger because he just makes a little effort. Yeah. Just, he, he, with him, he doesn't need to be, like, with Nadal, he was good technically, but you could tell he was a bit of an athlete too, so that helped him a lot, you know what I mean? To cover, you know, the court. Yeah. Whereas Roger didn't, Roger just seemed like a normal guy, but he's just, Roger is 100% techers. Do you know what I mean? That's, Roger, that's, 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 that's his thing there, like, player, you know what I mean? So, yeah, no, it's different styles though, obviously, but it's good though. It's been a good area though to be for tennis for them, for them guys. They're really interesting. Let's see now who's going to be the next batch of, you know, of of people to take over. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. I'm, I'm a... Definitely. There's a few coming up. Um, we definitely need to cover that, Ed. Um, last question. Who's your sporting hero and why? My sporting hero? <clears throat> I know the answer before you even say it, but go on. <laughs> nah, because you see the thing is it depends. It depends on what field, right? Because for me, sporting heroes, it depends on the sport. So we'd have to go sport by sport. Okay. So for obviously, so the sports I've liked growing up, boxing, football, rugby. I liked rugby. I liked watching it as a lot as well. Yeah. So, okay, I'll talk about I'll talk about three of them. Okay, so I'll start with rugby. My sporting hero growing up was John Eloni. I just liked watching this guy. <laughs> Don't don't know because Jonah. When I was on the pitch, I remember in primary school, I get the I, I get I get the boy. I'm like I'm Jonah, man. You come into my pitch, bam bam. Everyone just get knocked down. I think we all thought we were Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? That was just a pure beast. Like this, just now. This guy's my favorite of all time. Definitely Jonah Lomi. Tano Mag as well. Your teammate, definitely. He was another one of my favorites as well. I like I like the way he played. That all black team was a serious man. That all black oh, yeah. because of them I watched a rugby because of them I watched it. Yes, you know what I mean? So, so boxing now, I wasn't really a connoisseur growing up. It was everyone just it was just Tyson, Tyson, Tyson. Until I got older and I started watching back old tapes, old fights. Sugar Ray Leonard, the man was a serious, serious, serious guy. Marvin Hagler, 
You know what I mean? Um, but for me, like I say, hands down, Floyd. People don't like the people don't don't like him. Yeah. But the man, forget the fact that he's flashy. He he talks a lot, but he backs it up. But it's not just that as well. It's his lifestyle because people only see the cars and the women. Yeah. But mate, the man trains like a beast. He trains every day. Every day the man trains. Every day. People say this and that. And that. Floyd is intelligent because he doesn't get drawn into a, into a macho fest. Whenever he's fought a lot of these like, Latino fighters, come on, let's have a slugfest. He's like, nah, man, I know I'm good at man. You come and fight me. He stays in his lane. Yeah, exactly. He stays in his lane. He does his thing and he wins. He's intelligent. He's an intelligent foster brawler. And that's why I like it because he goes to show you that this is what counts. Do you know what I mean? So in that in that field, it's him. Football now, <clears throat> R9, man. R9 was why, <laughs> is why I played football. Was, I was a striker. And I always say to my, whenever we talk about Ronaldo, I always have to mention the original Ronaldo. Give me a quick question. No, 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 no. Original Ronaldo, R9. Yeah, that period, man. R9, I even had the boots. For me, he's like, you know. The thing is, as well, it's, it's, it's funny because I watch him now as he's retired. And obviously, I don't know if he's got help on his butt. You know, the way he's, he's become big and things like that and so forth. And that's what I'm saying with a lot of these guys. With him, was injuries. But a lot of these South Americans, you look at the Robinhos, even Ronaldinho to some extent, how, how they fell off. Ability was, was, has never been a question. But the mindset. But Cristiano has taught me how to the stay in the game. Side. The mental yeah. side. Yeah, that's what I get from Cristiano. Do you know what I mean? So even though he's not my favourite player, I put him up there because for me, even like Floyd, man, the two, in terms of the athletes, yeah, man, it's just, it's just, it's just they're immense. They're immense. You, you, can't, you can't knock it. There's been a debate, Ronaldo or Messi, I'll have to give it to Ronaldo. To be honest with you, man. I was always, I've always been a Messi fan, but I'll give it to Ronaldo. Uh, I think when it comes to mentality, so, uh, there's not even a competition with that. Um, we, I've always been a Messi fan myself, but the mental side of Cristiano Ronaldo, you can never doubt that. Never. It's, it's too much. The guy, the guy has won everything, everywhere he's been. Everywhere he's been. Yeah. You know, Messi has decided to stay in the comfort of Barca, where he's, he's, he's a god there, that guy. Do you know what I mean? Messi's king in that place. He's Messi. Messi can do what he wants in Barca. He's comfortable there. Ronaldo, I said, I want to go and test myself everywhere. He's gone and he's done his thing. Do you know what I mean? And and um, if your aim, if you get into this game, is money, you say I want to make ten million. Once you make ten million, what are you what are you playing for? Yeah, exactly. So I'm saying to you. But if you're getting to be like, you know what? This man scored seven hundred goals. I need to score nine hundred goals. That should, now, now you're playing for that now. You're not playing for, the, for that contract. It will come, but you're playing for that now. And I think Ronaldo, that's what he is. I remember watching the YouTube video with him, um, Rio Ferdinand and Anderson. The interviewer asked him a question. It was at Man United. Who's the best player you've seen, play you whatever, you know? And Rio went, Maradona, Anderson, I think he said, Ronaldinho or something like that. And Ronaldo went, me. Mm, I remember. Remember that time? Yeah. Bro, like, that's 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 his all. That's his all. Yeah. That's that's the boy's mindset. He was in it to be the best ever. That said it there. He was in it to be the best yeah. ever, not to make the most money, but to be the best ever. So his goal was a positive goal, and that's why he's still going because he wants. He's chasing people like Pele's record, all the people there. That's what he's chasing. He's not chasing them contracts. Them yeah. others are chasing them contracts, and that's why after after a couple of seasons, they they're washed up. This man is wanted to be the best ever. The goal. So fair play to him, man. Like, do you know what I mean? You, you can't, you can't be that type of mentality. And that's and that's why I say a lot of these kids. Well, if you're gonna get into it, be that. They always like to say that our black, black, black boys were flashy. You know, we like, you know, we like the bling bling. You know, we're in there for the money. 
but it shouldn't be that. If anybody who gets into football, any sport for the money, you won't last long. You won't last long. It's definitely yeah. true. I think, yeah. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that for another pod. But, yeah. um, Laurent, honestly, that was a amazing, amazing pod. It was good. We covered so much. Um, so yeah, on behalf of myself and Ed, thank you, thank you very much. All no right, worries, guys. Man. Thanks we, for having me. No, absolutely. It was our pleasure. Hopefully, um, you can come on sometime again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, we'll do um, that, man. We'll catch up. Guys. Definitely. So we have finished. Um, this was a very, very insightful podcast. Um, we thank our guest, Lauren, again.